Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. Man, it's been a little bit. Reese, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Honestly, it's been a a good week of work so far, uh, and just been chugging through. Definitely felt a little odd not having to to ring in the podcast like usual, but um, you know, as always, definitely happy to to have you back and. You know, I don't know if anyone will ever get to listen to our, our first one that we did together this year no, for the regular so. season. They're probably not good, but it was kind of like a preseason game, I guess, to, to get back into the swing of things. It was recorded almost like <laughs> a month ago at this point, but yeah, yeah. It's crazy times, man. Yeah, for those of you who do not know, um, my return was kind of, uh, we, we kind of knew it was going to happen for a little bit and we recorded something and uh, then we never ended up posting it because it went out of uh, relevance really quickly. Um, I'm not going to go into all the reasons why I wasn't here, but just know that uh, it was out of my control, guys, and I'm, I'm super happy to be back. And, you know, we, Reese and I both worked really hard to make sure that uh, this would eventually become a reality again. And here we are. And, uh, you know, I, I want to give a special thank you to... Uh, Zach for filling in for us. He's actually going to, uh, he's not on the pod right now, but he's going to be making more appearances. I know that you guys probably appreciate it. He's kind of got a different tone to the bears than I think we do Reese. Um, definitely taking yeah. some different perspectives and some hot takes. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that <laughs> I think it's good. Cause I, I, sometimes I feel like Reese, you and I, sometimes we come along too much in the same school of thought. So it might be good to have someone, you know, every, every once in a while, stir the pot. It's funny because I honestly sometimes thought I was that way with Zach, um, just because I think we're a little bit more naturally negative. And you're um, just a pushover, Reese. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just conform to what everyone else says and, and to a certain point. <laughs> but um, but honestly, I think that you know um, I'm as happy as you are to say that Zach's going to be staying on this podcast in some sort of role, and you know we're really kind of eyeing him up to be that producer, but hopefully have him where he can kind of you know, have that open mic where if he wants to jump in and say something or really just kind of run the facts, I think that he's a lot better than you and I are on kind of just popping mm-hmm. on the on the keyboard real quick and pulling <laughs> up a quick stat where it, I'm doing that. It's going to take me about two minutes to, to find what I want and he gets it in about a second. So yeah, definitely to have that back on there is going to be uh, very nice. Yeah, Reese and I both type only with our pointer fingers. Um, we are <laughs> just, just kidding, but no, definitely with Zach. Does, he's done. He did a great job filling in. Uh, it, it was interesting seeing both you guys grow throughout this little circumstance because it was like I saw you grow so much listening to you guys as a host, and then Zach grow so much uh, just uh, being as a podcast. You know, it, it was it was beautiful to see, um, <laughs> and it's really gonna usher in a new era for this podcast. I know we've talked about in the past being strapped with time and like all the other rudimentary stuff that comes with running a podcast and running a YouTube channel. Um, and then eventually, you know, adding in merch and and everything that we're planning on doing, uh, contributing to marketing, doing the pre-research. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into this podcast. It's definitely not something where we can just hop on for an hour and just that's it. You know, uh, unlike I thought when we were starting our original podcast, uh, I, I thought podcast is all you have to do is record for an hour and just upload it. And then things just worked out. That is not the case for anyone trying to start a podcast. That's not the case. So yeah, Zach's going to be filling in for our role. He's going to be kind of like the Jamie of the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. I'm excited for all the growth that we're going to see pretty soon. 
YouTube channel has picked up too. Uh, YouTube channel has certainly picked up from where it was. Um, it's unfortunate that this podcast feels at, at times like it kind of lost a season, but hey, I guess we're just like the Bears in that regard where we kind of lost a season <laughs> this year, <laughs> you know. Might as well have not even walked out onto the field, you know. I mean, I, I think that's certainly been kind of the, the tone, a little bit the feeling, I, and, and maybe jumping the gun a little bit here. No, but, no. But man, you know, dating back to Thanksgiving, so last week... <laughs> Have you ever watched a more meaningless Bears game that like just felt like so empty? <laughs> yeah, I, I, dude, that is such a good way to put it. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it it takes it really does take you back to 2017 and the last <laughs> year of John Fox that you kind of get that feeling back where it was just like I remember one game in particular in 2017. Mitch was playing against the Browns and that that was the year the Browns I think they had just came off their own 16 season and it was just empty. You know that's a great way to put it. Like you're just watching it and you're like. Either way, if we win or lose, it doesn't really matter. And for me, like Thanksgiving, I was literally watching it and when Dalton threw the pick in the end zone, I just started laughing. I was just like, this is, <laughs> this is so funny. Um, but that does bring us into our th- my thoughts on the season, your thoughts on the season. I thought yep. that a great way to start this off is just to you know catch up a little bit. Um, and, and so uh, next, next week we can uh, fire on all cylinders. So first off, let's talk Justin Fields. Reese, I'll, I'll let you give, uh, give me your thoughts first on Justin Fields. And um, I know Zach and you both had positive outlooks on him. I think Zach more so critical, but um, I'm interested to hear your thing, your takes on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, to come out here and say that he's played perfect would be, it would be a huge stretch. Um, you know, certainly just from the optics and, and fan perspective, I'd love to see him th- have more games where he threw over 200 yards. But, um, and, you know, I, I think to a lot of us that have watched, you know, each game in its entirety, you've seen that a lot of things sometimes haven't been Justin Fields' fault. And I know that you're going to hit on that pretty heavy, Austin. I, I don't want to beat that to death, but I think that, you know, there's been a couple inopportune drops for in a couple games for him or, or tipped, you know, basically drop passes that end up as picks once they get tipped. So there's been, you know, that's happened for sure. But I think for the most part, he showed a lot of resilience. I think that he's at least shown the commitment to go out there and work. And I, I think the fact that he you know, continues to shine as much as he has for just the absolute low points that the Bears have had this season. I mean, how easy would it have been for him to just like, you know, kind of break down a little bit as a football player during that mm-hmm. Browns game? You know, that's like his second yeah. game, his second, you know, regular season game with game time. And he gets thrown out until what was that an eight, nine sack game? Just something nine sacks, yeah. absolutely ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> when you have an offensive line like the Bears and... I know we're going to get into this a little bit too, but the weapons just aren't quite, you know, panning out as much as you'd want them to. And the coaching is as maligned as it is. I think that he's done a a fairly good job considering the circumstances. And, you know, I'm more than excited to see him, you know, get rolling with some, some new faces around in the organization. Yeah. You know, I, um, you bring up a lot of good points. One thing I particularly want to put up is that this is probably, the best rookie four touchdown eight interception season I've ever seen. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I feel like the stats are suit like there's such a discrepancy between what you see on the field and the stats. I feel like Justin Fields is a perfect case study for anyone looking to get more into the NFL of like, hey, 
stats can show you some things, but they're not the whole story. They don't really show you everything. And while Justin Fields certainly has had his down games, I just, I have loved seeing how Justin Fields has grown in every single game. You know, I think after both the Buccaneers and the Browns game, which were absolute dumpster fires, largely uh, due to a breakdown in the offensive line. Like, let's just be honest here. That offensive line they were putting out wouldn't even uh they, they might be starters on a jv high school team you know uh i think uh lachavius simmons had the first ever zero blocking grade that pff has ever given out to an offensive lineman um that's played more than a quarter in a game so yeah that, that just goes to show how absolutely terrible he was playing at right tackle and most of the pressures that in that bucks game came from right tackle um you know it's a, it, it's really unfortunate that field stats are not going to look great because it seems like in the off season, that's the only thing anyone ever remembers is just stats. Um, However, uh, I've been super pleased with Fields play. Like you've seen him really grow. He hasn't thrown an interception in a couple weeks. Like most of the interceptions came in that Bucks game. Um, And I think the Brown game, like I think he's only thrown like two interceptions outside of that. Um, and again, the touchdowns aren't necessarily there. A lot of that has to do with us primarily relying on the run game in the red zone and being a little passive in the red zone as well, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. Um, but you know, Fields leads the NFL right now in big time throw percentage. He leads the rookie class in, um, explosive plays, even though he hasn't even played as many games as, uh, all the other all the other rookie quarterbacks besides Trey Lance, um, and I'm just super pleased. I'm super pleased with seeing the intangibles. Like oh, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, and I I didn't really want to get into it because it's certainly a rabbit hole. But like comparing Fields and Mac Jones, which I think definitely have been the two best performers this year as far as um, how they've played. I'm not going to yeah. say that Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be better than one or the other um, because he's just on such a terrible roster that his performance has really dipped. But when you look at it, I feel like with Justin Fields, your hope is that he can do a little bit of the more Mac Jones stuff where it comes to, okay, the big play's not there. Let's get it back to David Montgomery on a check down. Let's just get the extra five yards or let's just throw the ball away. Um, I think I forget if it was Tony Romo who was calling the Ravens game where he said that one of his favorite plays of Justin Fields was him throwing the ball away, uh, yeah. for, which is like the first time I think all season we've seen him do it. Um, and I think there is a little bit of that where you're like, you want him to develop in just like the, um, like kind of like the Andy Dalton play where it's just like, get the ball to the receiver, live for the next down, everything like that. But everything else, as far as like what he could be is there. And that gives me so much comfort, you know, like with Mitch Trubisky and with a lot of other guys, you're just like, is the talent there Uh, with (laughs) Cutler? Is the, is the talent there? Um, But with, and that's why I want kind of want to get into the whole Mac Jones situations because I feel like with Mac Jones, it's kind of the opposite. You're like, okay, he's making those smart plays. You know, he's, uh, he's always in the playbook type of guy, uh, <laughs> which I'm not saying Justin Fields isn't. I'm just making fun of a little football trope that you see on, uh, like, like John Gruden's, uh, QB school or whatever. Um, hot take right there. Yeah. John Gruden into this podcast. Oh, that, like that one episode w- back with Austin, <laughs> John Gruden. We, we could get really into that. Uh, not sure if we should though. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so but with Mac Jones, I feel like it's almost the opposite where you're like, can he become more like Justin Fields where he can start, you know, making these big plays and like becoming this big play guy and like extending the play and 
Uh, so yeah, I, I've been really pleased with Justin Fields. I, in my opinion, I think he's the best performing rookie quarterback. You know, if you've seen that shirtless Mac Jones pick, I, I can almost promise you he's not going to become Justin Fields. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, I, I think when the way I look at it is with a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, you know, obviously I've extensively been able to see Justin Fields play. You know, I watch every Bears game, of course, and I think the next quarterback that I've seen the most tape on would be Mac Jones. Um, which, like you said, they're basically one and two. Out of the rookies? Out of the rookies, yeah. yeah. And, and and that kind of just leads a little bit down to the point. I think a lot of the criticism that we see with Justin Fields, a lot of it comes from people that basically have not watched him play consecutive downs mm-hmm. a lot, you know. And the same could go for me dishing out criticism about Trevor Lawrence. I've watched Trevor Lawrence play like two drives in the NFL, mm-hmm. like uh, on catching some highlights or um, watching the ends of a couple games like this past week where it was a little bit close. And I was like, oh, I'll peep in and see what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. But to get back on the subject, I think that, you know, with Justin Fields, it's the simple things that he needs to improve. And you're right. I think to me, that's more hopeful than, you know, a case like Mitchell Trubisky, where it's like, ah, I don't know if he quite has the football intelligence, you know, for it, for the position. <laughs> like, I think Justin Fields most certainly does. And yeah, he's made a couple mistakes, but you almost kind of want your quarterback to make a couple mistakes. Like you want your quarterback to push the ball. Like if, if he's not throwing you know, a few interceptions a season, he's at least not trying hard enough for, or, or making mm-hmm. some big play splashes. And I, you know, Mac Jones is being played a lot more into into scheme with, you know, with what Bill Belichick is doing. You know, I think I brought up to you earlier when the Patriots are having so much success running the ball, getting five and a half average or sometimes six, um, six yard average on a run. Yeah, you don't need to throw the football as much. <laughs> mm-hmm. We even saw that a little bit with the Bears this year, too, with when they finally started giving the ball to Herbert a lot, which we need to see more of or, or Montgomery earlier on in the season. So, yeah, it, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think most definitely the way the way that I feel is hopeful and, you know, my confidence is not shaken on Justin Fields at all. Something I also think is really telling about the Justin Fields experience so far. I saw this stat from PFF. And it was that Justin Fields has eight interceptions on seven qualified interceptable passes. Yep. So essentially what, what that's telling us is that pretty much every throw that he's been off, he's gotten intercepted. So unlike Mitchell Trubisky, which had some magic luck to him where he would throw the ball right into a defender's arms and they would just drop it. I mean, how many we'd see, we'd we'd see like two of those a game. (laughs) I feel like, like straight up, we'd feel, we'd see those two, two of those a game. Like, uh, um, it was just so funny. It was like almost like they're like, they couldn't believe how straight on it was at them that they just weren't even expecting it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not to hate on Mitchell Trubisky, uh, welcoming a kid to this world, which uh, good luck for him as well on that. Um, I know that he's up in Buffalo. So um, do with that as you will. (laughs) That kind of stinks. But uh, anyways, Justin Fields has gotten really unlucky and like a lot of his interceptions have bounced off of receivers arms uh, they've bounced off of uh, offensive linemen like we saw earlier. Um, it's just it, it it's kind of unfair for him and, and not necessarily something you want to look at. Um, whereas like guys who are like like Zach Wilson now Zach if you watch Zach Wilson's film he has thrown some bad interceptions like bad bad interceptions. Whereas I I really don't think there's 
been a a single interception. Actually, I think his only interception that I saw from Justin Fields, I was like, that's a bad throw, was the one in his Bengals game. I don't know if you remember that. It was a little robber concept where they faked the blitz and he tried to get it to the dump off and they just, and the linebacker took it. Yeah, I I think the only time where I really get concerned with Justin Fields throwing the football and sometimes it gets to be an iffy decision was like the one thing that he wasn't really good on in college too. It's carried over a little bit. And it's like the short out route is never going to be the strong part of Mm. Justin Fields game. You know, he it, which is weird because he does good on the mid range out yeah, route the and the deep route, out route. flag or corner route is is perfect for Justin Fields. I mean, he hits that, you know, continuously. So I I think there's been like one or two picks where I've like kind of winced <laughs> when he mm-hmm. threw it, you know, but for the most part, it, it's usually tip balls, which, you know, sometimes that's a little bit about ball placement, but uh, it's the NFL. Sometimes <laughs> you really mm-hmm. expect the receiver to bring it down too. Um, so. Yeah, I think Justin Fields, you know, no need to pan, like, pound the alarm. I think I think everything's straight. It's clear. I'm happy. I think that we, we've seen I, – I think we I, he's better than what I expected him to be. Maybe not statistically. Like, I expected a little bit better of a statistical season, but just, like, his ability to really elevate the team. Like, what we saw against the Steelers, um, I mean, incredible. Incredible play at the end of the game – at the Steelers on Monday night football, uh, like, ev- like everything was there, uh, short. I, I think it was even on a short week. If I remember, I, I can't remember correctly. Um, wait, no, it wasn't on a short week. It was on a longer week. So I guess that plays into it, but, um, just incredible. So I, I'm happy with him. The person that I hate is Matt Nagy. Uh, man, I cannot <laughs> stand Matt Nagy. I have such a problem with him. Um, when we dropped the video last year, uh, some of our OG fans will remember this uh, about him needing to be fired. Uh, and we should have never attempted to talk ourselves back into him, man. The, he he is an awful, awful play caller. And the fact that Laser, who has had multiple bottom of the league offenses, we saw a notable difference when he took over play calling is just so indicting on Matt Nagy. His scheme doesn't work. Uh, it's like way too many curl routes all the time. We lead the league in curl routes. It's so predictable. It creates all these crowded throwing lanes. Like it's just, it's terrible. And it's almost like every single game, the announcers are just in awe at like how terrible the, the offensive design is. It, the offensive design is poor. And it's just I don't even kind of know where to start because I've gotten so used to just this offense being very mediocre at best. I When you can literally predict that the Bears are at least going to put up 13 or hang around that number just about every mm-hmm. game, I, I watch them play, and even if they get to 13 points in the second quarter, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to get past this. You know, this is the <laughs> ultimate big 13-point barrier for this team. And, and that's where we've seen most of the failures. And you know, for most of Matt Nagy's coaching tenure, the Bears have been bad in the red zone. And last mm-hmm. year, 2020, was his best year by far. Which um, is hilarious. It, <laughs> it, yeah. It, unbelievable that, you know, the year that he put on, was that the six-game skid that year? Yeah, six and, and games. He, he tried to top it this year. And he couldn't yeah, quite. He came the close. Lions, the Lions got in his way. <laughs> you flip-flop <laughs> the Cardinals and Lions game, and we're talking about a six-game losing streak. <laughs> we'll foreshadow oh. into that preview, but <laughs> um, I, I think that ultimately with Matt Nagy, it's just so frustrating because it's the same things over and over. And I, I, I think one big... D- like disparity between good coaches that you'll see when they play a good game is 
even if the Bears have the lead at halftime, that coach is going to adjust, and Matt Nagy fails to adjust. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much you like. I can scream it from the rooftops, like, dude, make some second half adjustments. The other team's going to game plan for what you're doing, so at least anticipate or you know infer what's going to happen in the second half. And either he's just terrible at doing that, or he just doesn't care about that at all. I'm insistent that during the halftime games, Matt Nagy just goes in the locker room and screams, be you, be you the entire time uh, to all the players and all the players. Just play card. And then uh, Latavius Simmons is like, I'm trying to be me. I have a zero passing grade on PFF. (laughs) Maybe that should be the opposite of what Matt Nagy's preaching. He should say, be better (laughs) like don't be you like you hey andy dalton don't be you uh you know i think that would help a little bit hey sam mustafer don't be you try to (laughs) try to emulate a little bit of uh uh whatever the dude is in uh the eagles i can't remember his name right now short little center um uh, can't remember I, his name. I Whatever. Don't, I, I don't know. But I was going to say Kendall Vilber. Like Kelsey. By the Kelsey. Face mask, you know, and be like, Kendall yeah. Vilber. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't be you on this one. Do your best Kyle Fuller impersonation <laughs> for the rest of the season, please. Right. <laughs> even though Kyle Fuller's been trashed too. So we don't even need to talk about that. Um, God, so funny. I love one of my favorite things about Bears fans is how much they live in the past. Like how many comments we get about we should have kept Vic Fangio. It's the same people that were commenting that we should have kept Adam Gase back from the Tressman era. Oh my God. So funny, man. Yeah. Uh, I love that one. That was a, that was a YouTube special this past week. And I, as I mean, I always love going through the comments and most, most people honestly bring up some pretty good points, even if sometimes if they end up making it a bad point or inside their good points are some bad points, you know, and, and we make the same, we make the same things, but yeah, every now and then you get across the, the Vic Fangio ones. And if, if any of those YouTube commenters are listening right now, I will say that Vic Fangio was offered a head coaching job and was not going to remain um, defensive coordinator for the bears. So unfortunately yeah. <laughs> I think even if the bears offered whatever they could next to a head coaching job, Vic Fangio was not going to stay. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite uh, comments that we ever got is we got a comment from someone who was honestly probably like 10 or 11. I mean, I wouldn't know, but from like their English level, like it, there was no, 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 uh, uh, like periods or commas or anything. It was just one long drawn out set, like one long paragraph long sentence. And then, an- and then another commenter comments on it. Are you even speaking English right now? <laughs> like, like the, the amount of roasting we see in our YouTube comment section is just second to none, man. It's absolutely second to none. Um, so it's it's really funny. Everyone, please be nice in the comment section. Um, we do probably have little kids that watch our video, and I'm guessing that was one of them. So uh, be nice, be nice to them. <laughs> um, Something tells yeah. me no matter how much we say that, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, probably not. We'd love to get more emails from you guys as well. Now that we're kind of picking picking back up on this, uh, we want to we want to really make a, a big push for this end of the season. So uh, we'd love to get more emails, uh, hear more of your, your guys' hot takes, uh, everything or like if, that. If some of you are advanced and and feel the need to like record a quick little something, if it's like a rage clip or something like that. 
I would at least be interested to hear it. Couldn't promise we'll put it on the show, uh, yeah. depending on how you know um, <laughs> censored it needs to be. I yeah, guess. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're we're trying to hold on to this clean rating uh, that we have on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're holding on by a thread, but we're holding on. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, Matt Nagy. The other th- issue I have with him is just way too conservative, man. Like, yeah. like even like. My, well, my dad Trussell out there even my dad who like is like a huge proponent of like you know having a you know hard-nosed defense good run game you know like a like super old school bears fan um he he texts me all the time through the game Nagy's way too conservative it's like you got to be kidding like you got to be kidding me like Nagy is plays so afraid like at the end of the Lions game bro when we were t- in the 10 yard line and Nagy decided to take three knees and then kick a field goal, like, come, come on, bro. You're, sp- you're playing scared against the worst team in the NFL. It doesn't have, they don't have a single win. Okay. Just, just run the ball. Just run the ball. We would have scored anyways. And then you'll have at least three chances to try to score rather than a prevent uh, one chance, which, you know, God forbid, you know, something happens where the kick is blocked or something. Um, it's just like we play so scared. And then how many trips in we need to go for it more on fourth down earlier on the game in the red zone. Like that has completely evaporated we're, from we're just game. an opposing territory in general, you know, like uh, we're going to leave the defense out there on the field for most of the game anyway. So, you know, have God forbid we put them in a tough situation where they the other team has good field position. Like, yeah, it's really seriously. not making the game that much tougher for them, to be honest. Seriously. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like like it's if the team gets at the 25 yard line or the 40 yard line, it doesn't matter. They're still going to pick on Kindle Vildor for the rest <laughs> of eternity. Um, it does, But I, I think like the big thing, too, is like. One of my friends mentioned this to me, and he was like, ever since Nagy got a good kicker, he's leaned on him like a crutch to lift yeah, up his offense. And like he, he kind of made a point that was like, it might honestly be better if we didn't have as great of a kicker because we would try to go for it more often. We wouldn't try so hard to lean on him. Um I don't know. I, I, have, yeah. I have major issues with Nagy. We're going to get into some of his replacements at the end of the show. That that and Justin Fields will be his crutch, you know. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Whatever way he wants to spin it, you know. Seriously, okay. Uh, la- last part of talking through this uh, thoughts on the season. Ryan Pace, man. Uh, I'm gonna defend this man to the day I die. You know, <laughs> I will. I will go down swinging for Ryan Pace. And if we, if the Bears, if the Bears, uh, get rid of him, and the McCaskies bring in some bum GM, I'm going to be the most angry Bears fan to ever exist. And I'm going to say I'm right at every single turn possible. Uh, Reese, what, what's your what's your thoughts on Ryan Pace? Don't say that you hate him. Look, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't hate him. I, to say that I hate Ryan Pace would be a stretch. I think that he's brought some, some great football players onto this team. Uh, that's just a fact. <laughs> Honestly, he's made some some very strong draft picks over the years. He brought Khalil Mack onto this team, which, you know, the long-term optics of that, we'll see how it all plays out. But at least made 2018 a very fun year. So I got to thank him for that. I think he's someone that has a really good eye for football talent. I think he's a great scout. I think maybe he might not be the best GM 
you know, con, con contract wise, I think, yeah, maybe sometimes he bites off a little more than he can chew, but by no means do the, are the bears in the worst cap situation of teams in the league. It's just unfortunate for how bad they are. <laughs> but what I will say is this, and it's just the tough part. It's like, what's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? You know, how, just how many things do we let Ryan Pace get away with? Cause when you look at it, especially if, if, I mean, when Matt Nagy gets fired, that that's going to be another one. You know, he picked a coach that didn't end up, you know, bringing what he said he was going to bring, especially the offensive improvement. And you let him get away with the Mitchell Trubisky situation. And, you, you know, you got a couple other things in there that maybe aren't so much his fault, but you got like a Leonard Floyd where that feels like a wasted pick. And every team wastes first-round picks. That happens. Well, it looks but, better now, but we got rid of him. Yeah, and it comes down to the point, it's like, is it going to be, you know, the the old, like, kind of Bears fan in me that's just like, oh, fire Ryan Pace. It's like, what are mm-hmm. we going to do? Like, let him take down the Walter Payton statue out front <laughs> before we fire him, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, I guess that's a little bit of what goes on in my head. Is just We're like, going to get how- a Matt Nagy statue up. <laughs> <laughs> he got, he lost his way into the playoffs 2020. It's like a football dictatorship, yeah. you know? They just take down all the old statues and put on new ones. I'm just thinking of, like, the Fidel Castro <laughs> statue that they had in Cuba, yeah. you know? Oh, man, dude. I, I, it's just like, what, how much do we let him get away with? I, I guess that's kind of my perspective on it. Um, I know that Zach and I went pretty hard on him for, for not selling at the trade deadline. And I think, actually, in my mind, mm. that might have been one of the bigger misses that he's had as his GM. And um, even saw a couple of comments were saying, well, it's easy to say this in retrospect, but damn, uh, I know Zach and I talked about it at least three weeks before the trade deadline that the Bears should at least consider selling one or two pieces. Uh, missed out on an opportunity there. Just small things, though. You know, I, I don't think I'm not going to be upset at this organization if he isn't fired and I'm not going to be upset if he is fired, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, here's the question. And I'm interested in hearing this. Who should he have sold? Who should he have sold? Honestly, like it's a it's it's a tough thing, and I'll, I'll get a lot of criticism for this. But yeah, I figure you sell high on Robert Quinn, and yeah. you know, right now that's and honestly, I I think I sent you that video too. I earned so much more respect for that man once I learned that he was playing football with a brain tumor. Yeah, do you know how? unbelievably scary that would have to be but yeah man totally different side note there but they probably could have sold him high uh and i think akeem hicks as much as he is a fan yeah akeem akeem uh, hicks but i wonder what you could uh, akeem like i was thinking about this conditional sixth (laughs) seriously well that's what i'm saying like i i kind of agree with you guys that there was a little bit of a missed opportunity but here's kind of the two things I wouldn't want to get rid of anyone on offense because I view if we got rid of someone on offense, we would in the middle of the season, we would negatively impact Justin Fields development. And I don't think risking that uh, is worth it. Like the offense is already struggling. We're already one of the bottom of the league. Let's not make things worse on Justin Fields. Not to cut you off, but we're really going to miss like all 350 of it. I mean, I know he's above that (laughs) point, but like 350 of Allen Robinson's receiving. I don't don't think he's above that, bro. (laughs) I really, (laughs) this is the perfect, this is why we need a producer because I do not think Allen Robinson is 350. I think he might be at 350 yards. Um, Let me know on that. But uh, yeah, yeah, but like, I'm just saying like, I agree with the Robert Quinn thing. If you could have gotten a good pick for Robert Quinn, you should have taken it. 
That being said, I don't necessarily know how different these guys' values will be in the offseason. Um, maybe Robert Quinn, you could have gotten to a contender. Um, I don't know the type of cap hit you would need to take on that. Um, and I'm sure there were discussions about it, but at the end of the day, this team doesn't really have a lot of guys that you're like, okay, we're going to get a, uh, over a fourth round pick for, you know, if we yeah. trade them or that you'd want to trade, like obviously Roquan Smith, but like, we're well, not going to trade Roquan Smith, you know, yeah, like, no, like no. he's, he's our future there. So I, that's why I was saying, it's like, yeah, I kind of agree, but it's also like, eh, we don't. Anyways, I think like the big thing with Ryan Pace, and I, I, I've mentioned this a lot. I just think he's too good in the draft, man. Like, I think there are questionable decisions at tight. I mean, obviously, Mitchell Trubisky was a huge questionable decision that should never happen. Okay. Trade up a great, great point. <laughs> yeah, great point there. Um, but, like, I, I do wonder, like, okay, the when you think back to the year we got, uh, sorry, Matt Nagy. Who really else was out there that we, that would have been better? I don't. I mean, I, there's not really a single Frank Reich. Maybe that's like the 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 one guy that you can point to maybe to be like, oh, maybe he would have done something better. But Matt Nagy really was like the top guy, and no one else turned out to be anything. So I kind the way I like to kind of view things is like, what what else could he have done there? And that's one of uh, so that, that that's why I kind of excuse a little bit the Matt Nagy pick. Um, I'm not trying to excuse Ryan Pace, but if Ryan Pace gets, once Ryan Pace builds a good and sustainable team and ha- and has a couple of years that he can start replenishing it with draft picks, he's going to be a really good GM. And um, that, you know, that's, that's just my take on it. I know a lot of Bears fans don't trust me. And if you want Ryan Pace fired, uh, I really want you to consider who's going to make the decision for the next GM. So tell me this. Do you have more faith in Ryan Pace winning you a Super Bowl or the McCaskies bringing in a better GM yeah. to win a Super Bowl? You know, and, and I, I choose the former of the two. <laughs> yeah, no, no that's, a, that's a very strong point. When you look at it from the like the meta point of view of looking at the whole situation yes having the mccaskies pick another gm is not the best situation especially if it is without some kind of consultant that they always like to hire (laughs) (laughs) you know and a couple quick things here got to backtrack 339 on the Allen robinson oh almost yeah he is he's getting right on the under he's He's almost there, you know. Oh, yeah, only like how, I don't even know how many games. So I got left thirty there. yards left of the next left, six, six games. games left in the year, and yeah, maybe maybe he'll get the five hundred. <laughs> but um, and, and, and all the Bears fans were all the, I saw all the Twitter threads are like extend a Rob twenty two million dollars a year oh, worth yeah. it. That'd be the worst contract in the NFL right now. Shout out to Zach, top five receiver in the league. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Even I, it's funny because I was talking to Zach about that on the phone, and he was like, "Man, Alan Robinson is just not doing me justice this year." <laughs> <laughs> not was the right funny. year to go out and make that claim. And yeah, you know, fast forward to 2050 when Ryan Pace has his Bears team as a contender. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> but he'll rue the day that then. You know, he's gonna rue the day. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that with Ryan Pace, it's such a tricky situation because you're right. With the Matt Nagy hire, it's like who else could he have gotten? And ultimately, he hired someone that won Coach of the Year. But since he won that Coach of the Year award, it's been Parky mentally reversed. broke him. Can't like, literally, I, it it is so interesting to see. I don't know what it was. I think it was Trubisky, man. Like, 
Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy was a confident play caller his first year. The Bears didn't have a half-bad offense. They were ranked like 18th. Mitchell Trubisky had six touchdowns in one game. Um, five, and a, five and a half. That tied the record. Um, he like it, That first year, we went to the playoffs, uh, lost in such a heartbreaking manner. It, like, we probably should have won that game. And... Um, and it, it just it it was so so many different issues, but um, I I think that the the key thing is like Matt Nagy got broken, man, and maybe he goes on to find success somewhere else. Um, I wouldn't put it past him because what we saw out of that first year of him that led to him winning GM of or sorry coach of the year and Ryan Pace winning GM of the year. Um, he showed a lot of promise, but something happened where he's broken now. His offense is yeah. all curl routes. It's so conservative. He just does not look like the same coach. And, and you know what? You know what's really forgotten about that 2018 season, though? Hmm. And, and, you know, shout out to a Bears offense that makes it past 20th in the league, you know? An 18th ranked <laughs> Bears offense, that's a stunner. Bro, but, I would be screaming <laughs> right now at the Bears if we had a better than a 20 offense in the league. I'd feel I'd but, be re-signing Nagy to a 10-year extension. <laughs> let's not forget what seemingly got the Bears like half their points that season, which was an ungodly amount of defensive touchdowns. That's true. And that There was an... I think the Bears were almost close to 10 that year. They yeah, might even gotten yeah. above that. Well, we had it, like the most tape. That defense is one of the best of the decade. Like, I haven't seen a better one since 2018 Bears. Not even the Steelers last year. Like, that 2018 Bears defense is the best defense I've ever seen out of a Bears team and rivals the 20, what was it, 16 Jaguars for one of the, was it 2016 the or 20, 2016 or 2017 Jaguars? I don't know. I don't know. They lost to Brady in the yeah. In the we had a bet game. on that game too. Yep. Um, oh, that was 2017 then. That okay. that was 2017 because that was our first year in college. Um, anyways, yeah, I I think that Matt Nagy's broken. We need to get rid of him. Moving on, let's talk a little bit more about the Bears' offense. Um, not that. We need to beat a dead horse even more than it is. <laughs> uh, but Allen Robinson, uh, I, I just kind of wanted to get out a couple of takes uh, about how terrible this offensive line is and how bad the Bears' weapons are, man. Like, yeah. it, it, it's bad. And, like, it's not like John Fox era bad, but it's, like, bad, bad. Um, Allen Robinson obviously having the down year. We beat that to the ground. Sam Mustafer is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Every single game on film he sticks out just like being like such a liability and it's harming James Daniels and Cody Whitehair seasons because James Daniels had a couple whenever Sam Mustford's holding his own James Daniels looks really good man like he looks like yeah. he's like a, a a plus player you know he's not gonna I don't he'll probably be he's like close to Pro Bowl I think like he can reach that point um Cody Whitehair too I mean he's a, he is a Pro Bowler Jimmy Graham, man, this is someone I want to know where where is Jimmy Graham, especially with these red, red zone struggles. I don't think Matt Nagy is using him correctly, man. He can still box out and grab the ball. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're doing with Jimmy Graham. To be honest, it's almost a crime that he's been like completely out of the red zone equation all year up until the past couple of recent weeks. Um, quick snippet about Jimmy Graham is that. He is so much of an idiot. Well, that's not kind. That's not kind. <laughs> but he he made a very interesting decision. 
uh, to come to the Bears in 2020 to chase a ring. I just saw that today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can call him an idiot now that I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> he left He left the Packers to come to the rival team. Yeah. That's that so was far as gone 0-3 yeah, against them. Yeah. The fact that Jimmy Graham hasn't been as much of a feature is, is odd. Uh, I, I guess kind of... On the bright side, Cole Komet's had a better season. He's been more involved, mm-hmm. um, and that's really picked up. What he had that eight inter- eight reception game, so he, he's really starting to come along and, and get more involved. And Darnell Mooney has still continued yes. to progress, and has of course been a favorite of Justin Fields. And I, there's been other little flashes, like a, the use of Jakeem Grant. I kind of like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like you know mixing up trying to get some of these speedy players the ball in different ways. Um, but, yeah, other than that, other than Mooney being, you know, consistently good against the Lions at least, and then um, the occasional Marquise Goodwin, you know, big play, it, it, it's been all right, but it's just never been enough, and it's never been at the same time. And, yeah, of course, Allen Robinson just deciding to be completely absent and not knowing how to use both of our running backs has been an issue yes. as well. Dude, Please say that three more times. Maybe Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy will hear this. Khalil Herbert is a stud. And the fact that they've gotten him next to no touches since David Montgomery has gotten back. I'm telling you, the what was it, like three or four games that he was in when David Montgomery was injured? I, I This isn't hyperbole. Those are the best I've ever seen a Bears running back rush over the past, like, since Matt Forte. Like I, I have e- even with Jordan Howard's best years, even with David Montgomery, I just have never felt like we had a David Montgomery is a great running back. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge David Montgomery fan, but I felt like when Khalil Herbert was on the field, like whenever he got the ball, I was like, we're getting four plus yards, which is just something I've never felt out of any other bears running back since we've had since Matt Forte, even Jeremy Langford. You want you want a football buzzword for how the Bears offense <laughs> felt while yes. Khalil Herbert was in the game? Dynamic. You know, he came <laughs> that, in. That's it, a great honestly, point. Honestly, it's the truth though. It honestly the offense felt a little bit more well rounded. And not that Montgomery's even a bad fit for this team, but get get Khalil Herbert the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, is it that hard to look and actually it is. That's a major point of stress for Matt Nagy because he really struggles to get Montgomery the ball even 10 times. I was going to mm-hmm. say, would it be that hard to get Khalil Herbert the ball 10 times? Maybe I need to be more realistic. Can we give him at least five touches? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Can we ensure that man gets the ball at least five to 10 times a game, whether that be in the passing game or the rushing game? Kick it's returns gonna, don't count. This is going to be a hot take, man, but I, I think Khalil Herbert should have the bulk of the rushing load. Uh, in, I, I think in a lot of situations, honestly, I'd be there to agree with you. Here's um, why. Here's, here's why. Let, let me explain this first. Before you comment, he outside besides Darnell Mooney, he's our most explosive weapon. Like he adds a level of explosion that I feel like David Montgomery doesn't. David Montgomery is a good running back. He'll definitely, uh, he'll definitely give you, you know, 10, 10 consistent, 10, 15 yard plays a game. But Khalil Herbert, whenever he got the football, it felt like it, it, it he could have a house call. You know, like it felt like yep. at any point on the field, he could take it for a touchdown. And I just haven't felt that even with like Tariq Cohen, which he obviously extremely explosive player, but like 
he he wasn't necessarily well-rounded enough that I felt like, okay, if you hand it off to him and he's going straight through the offensive line and not like a, like, not like a, you know, a little around the offensive line or whatever it may be, like an outside Off-tackle zone. tackle or yeah. sweep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's where he would mostly get the ball. But if you left Khalil Herbert open with space in the middle, there was a real chance he could take it for a touchdown. Yeah. Or especially like a, a power row type play between the guard and the tackle was a mm-hmm. really nice kind of run for him to, to get him out into a little bit more space and maybe get the linebackers moving a little bit. Because the great thing that Khalil Herbert did is, oh my goodness, could he make that linebacker move? And if when he got one-on-one with a linebacker fresh out of like the hole in the mm-hmm. line, oh yeah, he'd make a miss every time, which... He you know, just stayed up too. He a little bit like Jordan Howard. Like he just was though Jordan Howard never did like the little cuts that David Montgomery did, but yeah. Jordan Howard stayed up when he was hit well. You know, he had really yeah. good contact balance. Yeah, and of course, I mean, you know, as far as getting yards after the first hit, no one really comes close to Montgomery, but it's a little bit different, you know. It, it's just the falling forward. Um, just finishing the run strong. Khalil Herbert's got that. He's not afraid to get hit, but he's also got a little bit more of that, you know, finesse. You know, mm-hmm. he, he can a little bit more of the shake ability than Montgomery has, and it, that presents itself in a little bit better. And you know, say like a, a running back like slip screen or something like that, where you know maybe you got to make that first you know defender miss, but after you get past that first defender, you got a couple linemen in front of you that are willing to guide you and, and make that a twenty-five or 20 yard play possibly. So yeah, I think that that's been a, a major, it's been great to see Khalil Herbert be so good, but then it's just become disappointing now that Montgomery's been back that we've seen so little. Yeah, absolutely. One, one person I really want to give a shout out to in this podcast is Jason Peters, man. His performance this year has been incredible in my opinion. Like he's the best pairs left tackle I've seen. I mean, I, again, I, can't say i've watched the bears for like more than 10 years but you know he's been the best bears left tackle i've probably seen as i've been watching throughout my lifetime <laughs> yeah yeah because like who, charles leno was like decent but like who else like huh. gabe karimi <laughs> <laughs> the monster out of wisconsin you're, you're gonna send out ptsd to our bears fans yeah, oh, I got. I'm chock full of it, man. I can throw out some names. Trigger right warning. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, um, yeah, but like Whatever. seriously, he's our best offensive lineman right now. Oh, it, it's shock. I mean, when you t- when you think about the situation too, that the man was like fishing and he got the call <laughs> and he's coming to play for the Bears and protect Justin Fields' blind side. Which for someone like him who's not extremely mobile and to think that he hasn't picked up like a holding call on like every single play. It is shocking. So mm-hmm. that that's a huge win in itself um, already. And, you know, yep, I, I do, you know, knock him for basically leaving, exiting the game at some point almost every game. But, I mean, what can you expect from him? I mean, the man's yeah. seen, the man's been in the trenches for, you know, quite some time now. I think he was drafted in like, or well, he wasn't drafted. He went undrafted. But I think he left college in like 2003. He yeah. like he like he's been playing for a long time. Ori- by the way, originally uh, a tight end too. A lot of people don't know that he originally played tight end out of college. Um, yep. 
and then just became a master at what he did. He's going to be definitely be a future Hall of Famer. Sad that we can't have... Sad that he's so old because, like, man, if he was, like, 36, I would probably be pounding the table that we give him an extension, but just at 39. I mean, I guess there's, like, Whitworth out there, but, man, that's that's old to be playing offensive it's, line, man. That's old. It's like... You remember when the Bears had... Uh, yeah, here's a name that's going to make those yeah, Bears fans, they're going to cringe a little bit. Mike Martz, when mm-hmm. they brought in uh, Orlando Pace. Who's another oh, like yes. Hall of Fame uh, tackle? Yes, and he played a pretty bum year for the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, also, Larry Borum, great, yep. great right tackle. Uh, great, great right tackle. Him. What a what a what a him pick and, by Ryan Pace. Him and Khalil Herbert have been. Those are the absolute gems of uh, this class that play on the offense. And if if when Tevin Jenkins finally gets back, I know he's in his practice window to come back from IR. We might see him come back pretty shortly. Um, if he comes back and he can actually play left tackle, Ryan Pace absolutely hit this draft out of the out of the park, like out of the park, because you get a starting QB. You're starting left tackle. You're starting right tackle and a high-quality running back. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Dare, dare to say it could save his job. He might want to, He might want Tevin Jenkins to get on that field pretty quick. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, so those are like really the bright spots here. But man, there's a lot of there's a lot of negative spots. Allen Robinson being specifically being one. Um, so again, let's kind of run it back over to some quick thoughts on the Bears beating the Lions, man talked about how it was kind of an empty game um really Shallow I, victory. I feel like the only bright spot is just seeing like darnell mooney still be consistently good like i feel yeah. like he's who we wanted anthony miller to be um it's kind of funny because it's probably one of my worst takes on the podcast i was like the bears have drafted a little fast guy every pretty much every single year uh i have no i think i said i have no faith that this guy that darnell mooney will be any different than these guys and sure enough he was yeah, I mean, you got to give give credit where credit is due. And, you know, at least they're good at finding those matchups when Darnell Mooney plays the Lions. I mean, he went north of 120 twice this year. I think almost hit like 125 on the nose each time. It's kind of crazy. Um, but it, they really finally figure out how to utilize some of these players that have speed and to throw the ball downfield. I mean, you if you get a double move where he gets separation, that, that ball He's needs gone. to be thrown. That ball needs to be thrown every down. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was good to see that. Other than that, it was a fairly ugly game. I mean, we know we aren't going to expect much from the Lions. Dan Campbell, I don't think it really needs to be said, but that that timeout management was horrendous. I mean, that's <laughs> not that's not NFL coach, you know, kind of quality right there. By the way, I, I, I have to really quickly interject and say one of my favorite moments of the entire season was when the Steelers were in uh when the Steelers were in our red zone yeah. and Big Ben thought he was catching our twelfth man leaving the field. And so he quickly snapped the ball and it was an incompletion. And the refs came out and they said there were not 12 men on the field of the Bears 11th player was exiting the field. <laughs> I was like, what else? What such a Bears moment. And the Bears so shook they were evacuating off the field. Seriously. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a defense have more 12 men on the field penalties. And it's hilarious how many times we've been caught with just 10 men on the field as well. Like, can could 
could not be any uh, honestly more ironic. It's so funny. If anything shows you bad coaching, it's that. And you know, the Bears pick up some stupid penalties too at times. I mean, the Steelers game was just the Steelers game. I mean, that that's a whole other different conversation. Yeah. But you know, every now or not every now and then, pretty consistently, the Bears pick up some just bad fundamental mistakes. Whether it be like illegal formation. Um, oh man! And if the Bears could learn to not do the illegal man downfield. Um, like an RPO or screen pass. God, the Bears would have so many more yards this year. But, yeah, seriously. Uh, it, it's, it, it was tough to watch the Lions game just a little bit just because it just wasn't great quality football. Um, at the same time, though, it wasn't the worst. We've definitely seen worse from the Bears this year. And, you know, at least the Bears aren't the punchline this season. They're not the team that lost to the Lions. I, that That's a sugar. True. That would bit. be brutal. That would be brutal. Okay, so I, I think uh, the final topic we should discuss a little bit is, but but before we get into the Arizona Cardinals breakdown, because we definitely need to do that as well. Um, replacements for Matt Nagy, man. Um, I I think you. I mean, you tell me. I think it's certain at this point. Matt Nagy's gone. Oh, I I think so too. I think. I mean, like, is there anything like, he could logically. do? Well, we had that topic with Zach Rosley. Is there anything that he could do? And at that point, that was before the Ravens game where they lost to a backup QB that was playing his first NFL game. And I don't know. To me, I think that was, you know, nail about the third nail on the coffin because I had him gone last year. So, (laughs) you know, but I've been calling for him to be gone for a while. Let me just throw out a couple of names for you, though. I I think that you're probably going to bring the more realistic takes. And I've always brought up Byron Leftwich. I think he's one to at least keep an eye on. But mm-hmm. Kellen Moore, and I think we may have even discussed this mm-hmm. a little bit. But on Dallas, I think if the Bears are really looking to kind of make a, a, a big swing, and I still feel like the Bears are going to go offense, right? Of course, they have to. Oh, my God. If they go they... defense, I'm done. This podcast is over. <laughs> so, I mean, Kellen Moore, someone that has done, uh, I think, well, very well, honestly, with that Cowboys offense, because I'm not going to give any props to Mike McCarthy because he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Top so offense I, in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, he's done a really good job. He's someone that I think to work with Justin Fields, you know, for what he's done with Dak, I don't think they have incredibly different play styles. And I think mm-hmm. that I think honestly, Justin Fields would like his play style to be a lot like Dak, where it's absolutely pass first, stay in the pocket if I can. But when I absolutely need to and do a few design run plays. So I think there'd honestly be a good bit of just carry over there. And it would be on Kellen Moore then figure out, you know, what do we do with these weapons and where else do we look to add? Of course, with the obvious being offensive line, but also with the receiving core, you know, what do we want Mm -hmm. the identity of the receiving core to be? Because I think that's one thing about the Bears right now is just their receiving core. They got some good pieces, but what's the identity of it? They don't nothing. If anything, they have too many pieces that are just a little bit different from each other and don't necessarily coalesce very well. They don't. And my dad has mentioned this to me a million times. The Bears have literally nobody on their receiving core that's able to go up and catch a ball that's slightly over or underthrown. No one can do it. Like Darnell Mooney may be slightly him. Allen Robinson, he can get the contested catches, but it's not like he has a huge catch radius. Like the Bears really need to adjust that, bring some variability to their receiving core. And and Kellen Moore, man, 
what he does a great job of is finding guys that are just matchup nightmares. I mean, literally, even um, who's their tight end that they have there? I can't remember. Oh, his. dude, he's good. He's, yeah. yeah, he's solid. I, I don't remember his name. Like, I don't remember it, but just like the way that he gets him favorable. Jason Witten to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way he gets some favorable matchups, though, it's like no matter what receiver you are on the team, you're always going to have a favorable matchup by either getting on the team's like backup linebacker. I mean, how many damn times does he get CD Lamb on a backup linebacker? Like that's really Kellen Moore's game. Kellen Moore is exceptionally good at having pre and post snap movement that draws matchups yep. and then, and then believing in the quarterback to make the play. That's what I love about Kellen Moore. The concern with Kellen Moore is like, okay, he has the number one offense in the NFL, but he hasn't done this for a long time. And I remember, I mean, we all, most people listening to this podcast probably remember when he was the Dallas Cowboys backup quarterback, you know, I remember when he was playing at Boise state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's been coaching for like three, three years, two years. It, it's been like, a short period of time, you know, he really went straight short. from being a backup to right into a coaching position. So exactly. And, uh, uh Byron left, which, uh, I, I was going to mention him as well. I think that, man, the concern with Byron left, which is just like, how much does having Arians and Tom Brady benefit you? And the answer to that is a lot. <laughs> you know, like a lot, a lot. So that's what concerns me is like when you're looking at a player that's or sorry, <laughs> calling him a player. He was a quarterback. He was a first round pick, too. But when you're looking at a person who has a player like Tom Brady, has weapons like Mike Evans uh, and like Leonard Fournette and like uh, uh, Ronald Jones, like really, oh, really. Mean- we can, really we can good spend team. the rest of the podcast listing off the weapons that they have there. You yeah, know, be you, Godwin, Mike Evans. Yeah, or even the Gronkowski. kid from the kid from uh, Barrington, uh, Scotty Miller. He, oh, he like Scotty Miller's a beast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He and he's like their fourth wide receiver, man. Like, I mean, that's the concern with Byron Leftwich. Arians did come out and say that he Arians gets way too much credit, and that Byron Leftwich really is the architect behind the offense. After uh, Andy Reid came out and said Matt Nagy was the best coaching prospect he's ever he's ever had, I, like I I just kind of struggled to believe that. I like I think he's doing a good one for his friend, but like man, I I do get, I get a little scared. I would still be happy with Byron Leftwich, but um, I I think that I would prefer Kellen Moore, um, just because of what he's me too done kind of on his own. Like I know it's a risk, but it's like hiring any head coach is a risk, man. There's not really a way that you can get away with it. Um, a couple other guys I want to mention, Brian Dable. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the pros with him is that he's really well loved by the locker room. Um, and that he obviously developed Josh Allen. He's under a defensive head coach. He's at a top five offense two years in a row. Um, like that is his offense and he's done amazing things with it. The cons he's had multiple stints of being an OC where he wasn't successful. Like he was yep. with the Dolphins, he was with the Browns. Like the, he did not have good offenses. And then the 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 counterpoint to that is like he didn't have a QB on any yep. of those teams. You know, like he he really didn't have a quarterback. But you do wonder like how much that impacts it. So there, that's a little bit more of an unknown. But I still think Brian Dable is a premier candidate. Uh, just considering like if you have a defensive head coach, you you are essentially acting as the head coach of the offense. Um, and, and he, that, that offense is his and purely his, um, 
and I, you know, I think he he's go, he's certainly going to get a head coaching job, but it's yeah. like uh, there is a little bit of risk there as well. I think at least in Chicago, I feel like kind of whether it be the media or just initial impressions, I think he's going to be the early number one. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that that's what most people I, are going to be. I honestly think Kellen, like I think I think the most likely out of this list to get hired is Kellen Moore. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think that Dabble has a really good chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that people are always going to be saying, as long as he's a coordinator on Kansas City, you're going to hear be enemy. Um, that name's always going to come up, whether or not he's going to leave or not. I don't know. Um, and I wonder, in a weird twist of fate, if the Bears possibly try to poach uh, Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay, mm. their offensive coordinator. Not you know that who I, would I was it, thinking, though? Go ahead. Yeah, the... I, this popped in my head. Clint Kubiak, Vikings okay. offensive coordinator. And the reason why I was thinking that defensive head coach overachieving offense yep. is what is what you kind of like to see there. Is like he's had an overachieving offense. Unlike Joe Brady, which I feel like it's kind of like, okay, he's good, but underachieving. I mean, overachieving offense still, but like still a bad offense. I feel like Clint Kubiak has put together two decent offenses for the Vikings now. Uh, fourth in offense in, 20, uh, in 2019. They're currently ninth in offense in 2020. 2021, sorry. Um, I, you know, he might be a, kind of an under-the-radar guy. Uh, relate. I think he's the son of Gary Kubiak. I, I definitely, I would 100% believe it. Um, and, and when you think about what weapons the the Vikings have is they have some very close to like the best in the league talent. They have elite talent, but by no means like Justin Jefferson, he's a great wide receiver. He's not the best in the league yet. Kirk cousins. I I don't like, I'll just put that on record. So (laughs) hot take. (laughs) And then of course, Delvin cook, you know, is usually one of the the best running backs in the league. He struggled a lot with health, you know, over his course of his Vikings tenure, but you know, he's not dealing with the best of the best, absolutely, and he's able to extract a good bit out of it. And it's still an offense that you can you can watch. Unlike the Bears offense, you know, when you're watching the Vikings offense play, you're like, oh, this this looks like a modern NFL offense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this looks like it works a little. <laughs> um, so I, I could definitely I'm I'm I haven't seen that name float around at all, but I wouldn't hate it. To be honest, I think yeah, I think that it has some promise. That here and here's two other points I want to bring about the Kelmore Brian Dable that I think might slant my favor more towards Brian Dable. Kellen Moore has an ungodly amount of talent on that offense, and he's never it's had thick. to develop a quarterback. True, it's thick. You know, it's it's that that talent there. I mean, I even like you know. They're like third choice receiver in Gallup. Yeah, Gallup's, Gallup's a, a stud. Gallup. I think he had a thousand yard season a season ago or two seasons ago. Yeah, well, it's usually one of those receivers are usually hurt. But yeah, <laughs> true. You know. So, but Dable, yeah, think I'm about sure. think about Dable's offense real quick. He has Diggs. Yeah, and then who else does he have? Well, he's got Josh Allen, which that... well, Josh Allen, but he developed Josh Allen. Yeah. Well, he's got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got what? Zach he's Moss digs, from Utah uh, or whatever. It, it's it's not as much as as the Cowboys. And that's not 100%. nearly. Not that's nearly 100% as much. 100% the truth. And 
honestly, dude, like when I look through some of these coaching candidates, it's not that great. No. Like, and I hate to break it to Bears fans, but when I'm coming up and I'm hearing and I'm seeing Shane Walden, who's the offensive <laughs> coordinator for Seattle I don't know Seahawks. who that is. He's the offensive coordinator not. for the Seattle Seahawks. And I don't know if you've watched the Seattle Seahawks play the past Terrible. three weeks, but Terrible. that offense is not something... Well, if you want consistency from this year to next, I mean, yeah, bring him in. We'll, we'll put up 13 points a game <laughs> and keep that pretty consistent. But Yeah, you have Russell Wilson, and you're putting up 13 points a game. <laughs> yeah, and DK Metcalf. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true, true. Um, I want to talk about some more under-the-radar guys before we move into this Cardinals uh, topic. Uh, Two guys, a couple guys I want to mention, and I want to get your immediate takes. Two guys that Bears fans have loved to throw around are Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh going through the college circuit. I'm going to be honest, I'd hate both of them. I'd hate both of the signings. I, you know what? I, being someone that grew up a Michigan fan, I particularly don't really want Jim Harbaugh to come and coach the Bears. And also, when you think about it a little bit, it doesn't really make too much sense. I don't think that John Hart or yeah, Jim Harbaugh has ever shown. Well, his brother has done it with Lamar Jackson. And, of course, you know, Jim did it with Colin Kaepernick. But they can adapt their offense. But I don't know if he's necessarily my first choice to work with Justin Fields. It's a little – his offense is a little old school, too, and he's always had struggle in the red zone. He wants it to be old. He always wants it to be old school, 100%. He's, Jim Harbaugh wants a great offensive line, and this Bears team does not have a great <laughs> offensive line. And Ryan Day, of course, there's that familiarity there. I wouldn't hate the Ryan Day pickup, but and he's been extremely successful in college football. There's just a part of me that's not 100% sold that he could take it on to the college. Or it's like Urban Meyer. Level. Urban you Meyer. Know, it, yeah, and of course, I mean, Urban Meyer is – has a legendary college, um, you know, kind of rap sheet and, you know, multiple national championships at different schools and, you know, so many more um, conference championships and Heisman winners. But I think when I think about Ryan day, I still need to see more at the college level to prove it. And it's not, it's not a positive number situation when you're a, a college coach that's moving up into the professional circuit. I mean, Pete Carroll is the only one in recent memory that really springs to mind about, you know, having done it successfully. And then probably Jim Harbaugh when he went from Stanford to the 49ers. Clint Kingsbury. Clint Kingsbury. Yeah, Clint Kingsbury. He was Texas Tech, right? Yeah, Texas Tech. um, Actually accepted the USC. He got fired from Texas Tech, accepted the USC offensive coordinator position, and then got hired as the Cardinals head coach, um, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it. Um, getting fired I, from a college Lincoln program. Lincoln Riley's name floated around as a yes. coaching candidate for a while before he got picked up by USC. Well, that's the that's the thing is like okay. By the way, everyone, I'm a huge USC fan, so like I love Lincoln Riley now. He's my favorite fight person on. on the planet. Yeah, fight on. Honestly, that's the dumbest slogan I've ever heard of a college. I don't know why <laughs> USC chooses it. Um, but at the end of the day. Let's just be honest here. Being a college head coach is just better than being an NFL head coach as far as like if you have kids and if you have a family and like adding stuff. I mean, I, I think Cliff I don't know, that's Ki- debatable, man. I, dude, I think uh Lincoln Riley is gonna be making like eleven million per year, which is higher than I'm pretty sure every single NFL coach. But don't they don't disclose coach contracts. Well, from what got oh that that is true, but I think 
from the estimates, it's like higher than 28 out of 32 NFL okay, coaches. That's fair. And he also has unlimited miles on a private jet for his family. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, <laughs> there's certain perks that come with each trade, 100%. I don't think, I don't think um, Jim Harbaugh or Ryan Day in particular are great candidates for it. I think Ryan, I would lean a little bit more Ryan Day um, just because of Justin Fields' familiarity. And, you know, if they end up picking up a, well, no, they're not going to be in a position to pick Olave. So why am I even kidding? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say that I, I do think that if we were going to go to college, Lincoln Riley would have been my choice, but he clearly is committed to USC now. And I don't think there's any chance he accepts an NFL job after no. signing the contract he, he signed. No. Um, two names I want to talk about current coaches that could get fired. Which I'm, and, and one other point I wanted to make about Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day. If you're going to take the risk that a successful offense is going to transfer to the NFL, why don't you just go after Brian Dable, who has had two NFL successful offenses, and and get him like that, and that that would make way more sense than trying to predict college to NFL, which just doesn't work. And also Ryan Day, he kind of comes from the Urban Meyer where they do like the wide receiver read shit, and it just. You know, it, it, that's, that's that, college. Though. That's college stuff. Um, anyways, two names I want to throw out. One, Pete Carroll. I think that there's a real, real chance Pete Carroll ends his yeah. Seahawks tenure. <sighs> nah, I think he's just done. I agree. I think Pete Carroll's just done. He's the oldest NFL coach right now. I, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he just retires. Respect to Pete Carroll, but I think he's done. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the other one, which I think is a little more, um, I think it's a little more intriguing, Kyle Shanahan. So Kyle Shanahan right now, he is, he doesn't have a great offense, but he has the highest red zone scoring percentage out of any team. 77%. Yeah. I'd be lying if I w- was going to say that I wasn't going to be excited about Kyle Shanahan. I would probably be pretty excited about Kyle Shanahan coming to the bears if i'm being realistic yeah i agree with that but my my one concern is he's made some questionable personnel decisions like the idea to not start um trey lance at any point this season and then also the idea of like i i don't know if he really likes running an offense that takes the quarterback out of the situation you know, yeah. I don't know how that will transfer over into Justin Fields game where I feel like you want Justin Fields to be at the helm of everything. You know, that's why I think Brian Dable or Kellen Moore is kind of more the, the ideal prospect there. With, with Kyle Shanahan, though, I tell you what, you know, he'd be getting touches. Khalil Herbert. Certainly. He's had that, great that rushing ma- offenses. That man is going to give touches to people who deserve touches of the football. I think mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan knows how to spread the ball around pretty well, even when it's in heavier sets. Um you know, not always out of the shotgun. I think that he, and even too, I mean, like, I think he's used Ayuk well. I think the weapons that they have on the 49ers, I think, are used pretty well. Maybe Debo Samuels is almost damn near he's crazy at this point, but I mean, he is having a remarkable season. I don't know how that man doesn't get like MVP conversation, yeah. to be honest. He, he's insane. Like, the Debo, I think. They were saying that he has the most like yards after reception average or something like that. Yeah. In the, like he, he, I mean, just in the one, how he took a little screen past the house, like 
That that's kind of Shanahan's offense, you know. He likes doing that stuff. Uh, he went to the Super Bowl, but uh, the 49ers have not been that successful. A lot of it's a talent issue, I think, and they didn't obviously have their quarterback. But like, I I do wonder like the whole Trey Lance situation. Um, Trey Lance didn't look that good in his first game. Also, I don't. Here's the, kind of the issue with both Joe Brady and. Um, Joe Brady, as well as Kyle Shanahan, they both passed on Justin Fields. You know, uh, that makes me think he might not be a fit for what they want to do. Both of them kind of come from the same school of thought where they try to take the quarterback out of the the equation. Um, Yeah, I mean, that could be. So, I I don't know. I think, but okay, before we talk about the Cardinals, real quickly, who's your top pick here? And who's your second pick? Mm, My top pick. Like personally, or what do I think is gonna happen? That's, like what I'd you what you it. what you personally want? What do I personally want? Give me Kellen Moore, then give me Dabble. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna do the opposite. I'm gonna do Brian Dable. I want Kellen Moore. Uh, is uh, is, is my it's, side? It's settled then. <laughs> it's like no, they're like one A and one B though. Like they're yeah. they're both really close. I I like that what Brian Dable has done with limited talent, and I like that he's developed a quarterback. Yeah, fair enough. I think that that's a, certainly a nice failure to have in your cap, and it's a hundred percent something that Kellen Moore can't say. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and round out the show as we're it's starting to get a little late. You know, it's an hour fifteen. I know we like to do these little drawn on podcasts, but um, Arizona Cardinals, man. Yeah, apparently <laughs> I do. <laughs> you do because you guys, yeah. you guys were were cutting it at fifty minutes. Fifty minutes is is solid and sweet. You know, I think that. But at the same time, that's besides the point. Who cares? Bears Cardinals, man. Um, let me tell you about it. I think we're going to see Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray back, right? Or at least that's the we're anticipating that. Maybe? Possibly? Yeah, he's back, I think. He's back. Okay. So no Colt McCoy, which is unfortunate. You know, I, I remember him playing as a, as a Longhorn. You know, it makes me feel like a kid again. But Most anticipated backup quarterback ever. He reminds me of, uh, God, who was the old freaking uh, Bengals backup that everyone was super high on uh, that played for? AJ. Yeah, McCarr- McCarron. Yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't wait till any everyone shut up about him, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that... We're going to see Kyler Murray back, but there's a potential of having um, bruised rib Justin Fields playing as well. Uh, we'll. We'll see about that. I don't think that's set in stone or anything. But it's going to be an interesting matchup. There's teams that the Bears have played already that scare me a hell of a lot more than the Arizona Cardinals do. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you where the Bears are going to struggle a little bit. I think they're probably going to give up some a couple of touchdowns to Zach Ertz, to be fair. Or it, it, is DeAndre Hopkins playing? I'm not 100% certain, but I think that just through the middle of the field, if they can establish the run in some sort of way enough to draw Roquan Smith up fairly consistently where it vacates the middle of the field before Eddie Jackson and Deshaun Gibson can get to it, they're going to do some work just kind of sitting right there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see exactly how it shakes out. I just, Kyler Murray's good. I'm just not super scared of the Cardinals. I, I don't think the Bears are going to win, but I don't think this is going to be the ugliest loss that we're going to see all season. I, I think that we, we've already probably seen that, or it's going to be Green Bay Part 2. I don't know. 
here's the issue. I think that the Bears can score on this Cardinals defense. That's not really my concern. I just don't think we're going to be able to keep up with the Cardinals offense. Like our defense is bad. Like it's not, it's not even like middle of the pack. Like it's bad defense right now with Khalil Mack out, especially Roquan Smith might not play. Like it's, it's just a bad defense. Even Artie Burns looked awful against the lions. Like, thank God they finally benched Kendall Vildor, but like Artie Burns did not look good too. I know we signed D virgin today. So that's uh, yeah, I guess maybe he can contribute a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's a chance that Arizona's going to, they're probably going to get some hits on Justin Fields. The Bears are probably going to give up a couple sacks. It's not the scariest defense we played, but I think saying that the Bears' offense can score in general is that's a bold prediction right mm-hmm. off the rip, dude. You're acting like the defense is really going to make a difference here, dude. I think it'll the be a 14 thing that point. The Bears is themselves. True. True. I think that'll be a 14 point difference, unfortunately. Like, I think my, my score prediction is like 38 Cardinals, 24 Bears. Oh, okay. I get no. I'm giving the Cardinals thirty-one. I've been pretty stuck on that number. I think that they just crack into thirty. Yeah, give me give me sixteen for the Bears. I like a touchdown, three field goals for the for the boys because they love to punch it down into like the 30, 20 yard line and give it up right there. If so. if Andy Dalton's starting, my prediction is going to go down. But I kind of made mine based off of Justin Fields. Um, honestly. It might just be best to let Justin Fields sit this game out and just let Andy Dalton start so that I think uh, – I forget who we play next week. We, we might play the Packers next. I feel like that's a more manageable game than this it's, Cardinals game. We're back into the gauntlet a little bit. I will say that. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll confirm it right here in a second. It is indeed the Packers, and then they play the Vikings on what is going to be a blistering cold Monday night game on December 20th. I mean, yeah, and I'm still not afraid of the Vikings, funny enough. Um, well, you shouldn't be just because, for whatever reason, historically, the Vikings just cannot. This, it's tough for the Vikings to sweep the Bears. Yeah, last year was the first year that Matt Nagy ever lost to the Vikings and ever lost to the Lions. So uh, to think think about that, and we beat the Lions twice this year, so the Vikings have it coming. Um, but the funny thing is the Bears are still not out of the playoff conversation, even though they're four and seven right now. Um, I, I feel like this expansion of the playoffs hasn't really turned out the way that the NFL has hoped it would. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's that's a good point. And maybe that's even a topic for another day, but it's just like now we're kind of just letting these slap. I mean, even look at last year. Damn Bears, the, Bears. the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I got freaking embarrassed. But at least at least uh Mitch Trubisky got the MVP. I mean, that's all that really matters anyways. That's uh, very true, man. Yeah. All One right, guys. Only so far. But thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. And uh, I'm sure we'll do some sort of post game reaction after the Cardinals. I'm sure both Reese and I will be in tears uh after a painful loss um but you know i'm looking forward to it and uh you know this is going to be a hell of a ride going forward we're really going to do the best to produce the best content possible and really catch up where we left off um yep you guys are going to be sitting for it yeah and um you know if you've made it listening this far if you made it an hour and 21 deep i'd say odds are you probably like this podcast and if you haven't already Go ahead and leave a five-star rating and a written review. Um, we're definitely going to get back into the habit of reading those off. I know we haven't had too many reviews lately. Um, but, hey, uh, we appreciate the support and no matter what way it comes. And I know, personally, I focus on the YouTube a lot pretty heavily um, mm-hmm. just because it makes a little bit more sense to me. 
But, um, you know, I do appreciate all the support we get on YouTube as well. Um, and especially all y'all that reply in the comments, but yeah, I don't know if our YouTube listeners really make it this deep into our podcast. All right, guys, but thank you so much. I'm looking forward to a great season and, uh, bear down, bear down.